It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one. Four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we're well, we're back on the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, March twentieth, two thousand and fourteen. Thank you for being with us tonight. You're my almost name's... a year behind there, Jacob. I, know, I got to get it together here. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father Greg Gwynn is here. Hello, Dan. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Monty is behind the controls. Monty, welcome back. It's good to see you again, Jacob. Second week in a row. Good to have you back again tonight. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. And in the chat room to the bottom of your video feed tonight, we welcome your comments in any of those uh, fashions tonight. And the telephone number is toll-free, 877-381-4567. Well, I am looking forward to the topic tonight. I appreciate you for choosing this topic. We'll see how it goes. You, well, the reason I chose it because I figured you're an expert on the topic. Oh, I was afraid you thought that I needed to hear something. <laughs> We're going to talk about parenting, and I'm going to tell you if there are any if there are any perfect parents out there who can uh, yeah. illuminate us on all the ins and outs of parenting without fail. Uh, we'd be glad to have you call in. We just turn the program over to you, wouldn't we, Jacob? Yes, we would. <laughs> we would be more than happy to do that. It is an important topic. What we want to talk about, uh, we're, we're going to use the expression from Ephesians 6, verse 4, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's the job parents have to do, to bring up their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And there's not a more important job that anybody has than that. I was thinking earlier today, you know, a man like President Obama, he's got lots of responsibilities on his shoulder I would argue that even in his case, as important as his job is in worldly affairs, that he has no more important job than raising his children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I don't know what he does about that. I have no idea. He might have staff for that. I don't know. But I'm saying that regardless of your station in life, if you have children, that is a primary responsibility. All right. And I think all the parents on the line tonight will agree that it is a very difficult job. Perhaps is, in my case, more difficult than you had imagined. And so we'll look forward to hearing from you and, more importantly, hearing from what God has to say from us in his word on this important job tonight. And we do look forward to your comments, 877-381-4567. Welcome back to the program, by the way. We missed you last week. Thanks. Thanks for covering for me while I was gone. Uh, And Anthony and and Monty, you all did a great job, as always. Uh, Good hands. Uh, we see several of our friends in the chat room. See John in there from Oklahoma. Uh, Kevin Kelly in Arkansas is in there. Uh, we see Arthur in Kalioka. He, he had some, some bad computer problems for the last few weeks, but he's back up and running. We're glad to see Arthur there. He's always in uh, the chat room. He's usually lurking. He's signed in now, and so we're glad to, that he's out there. Uh-huh. And, uh, several others there. We're, we're glad for all of you who are in the chat room. Okay. Uh, and Kevin's back. He says he's been a lo- away a long time. Yeah. Uh, yes, it has Glad been a long to have time, you back, Kevin. Kevin. 
Thank you for Patrick joining. is there, and Patrick sent us in an email. Patrick, I just got your email, and then just trying to get it printed off as we were coming on the air. So, uh, again, our topic tonight we think is an important one, bringing up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Earlier today we sent out our update to our update list, as we always do on Thursday about noon, giving you our topic for discussion, giving you some leading questions, trying to get your feedback on those. we got a little bit. We're looking for a lot more uh, on a couple of questions. I'm not going to read them both. I'm going to start out with the first one first. Uh, uh, we ask you to comment on these things that need to be evidenced in every parent's life. Okay. Strong faith, number one. Number two, unwavering sense of right and wrong. Number three, good teaching skills. Number four, willing to administer discipline. Okay. So let's talk about those things. We think those things are necessary. Every parent needs to to be able to do these things and you're probably not going to succeed in raising your children if you are not doing these things okay so let's just jump right into that jacob by the way before we do that uh, we encourage you to uh, investigate our website we're trying to add new content uh, constantly to our website and so those of you who get on to join the program might want to snoop around there a little bit Uh, we've got recent bulletin articles we're putting on there every week We've got a sermon, uh, audio, and sometimes a, a corresponding video yes. uh, every a week. Bonus video. Uh, and uh, so, and of course, we've got all of the virtual Bible study audio archives for almost nine years now yeah, are on there. Close to nine. And, uh, and then we've got video archives for the last, what, probably three or four years. Yeah. Uh, you know, we lost some of those videos, the, the ones that were archived on Ustream. They're gone. Are gone. Yeah. So uh, we lost some of those old videos. <laughs> That's uh, okay. You're better off to listen than look. Yeah. Uh, and um, oh, also, if you're a College View member, and we've got some College View members in in the chat room tonight, and I know some others are listening. We put we've got a new tab on our website for members of College View. Yep. It's password protected. Yep. So if you're not a College View member, you can't get in there. But uh, you College View members who are listening, we've got some. Some resources for you there, some of our schedules and so forth that you can check up on. You're getting you're getting pretty high tech, trying to catch up with John. No, I'll never, Oklahoma. never. I can never but, get uh, there with John. He keeps setting the standard, but you're getting there, so that's good. All yeah. right, let's get into the parent thing. Okay, all right. So yeah. let's, well, let's talk about, talk about. Let's All see. right, so we said we wanted your comments about things that every parent need, things that need to be evidenced in every parent's life. Yes. Uh, let's just start out by saying, you know, As we said, this is such an important job, and you have sort of a window of opportunity to get it done. Uh, And and if you do it well, you'll be blessed and you'll rejoice over it in the outcome. If you do not accept the responsibility and do your job that's expected of you, it's going to be an endless grief and heartache. And and the until you die, uh, the scriptures talk about that in Proverbs chapter. Go, go, go ahead, Marty. Go ahead, Marty. Marty. Jacob said, "Until you die," I said, "And maybe afterwards." And maybe afterwards. That's right. Because because very good point, Marty. Because there can be accountability that could cost right. you cost you your soul if you don't do what you okay. can as yep. a parent. Yep. Proverbs ten verse one: uh, A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Yeah. Uh, Proverbs seventeen twenty five: A foolish son is a grief to his father, and bitterness to her that bear him. You know, I, I'm sad to say. I've known parents who have suffered that heartache, and it and it's it's a it's a tough one, a hard one, uh, and it's it's ongoing. 
and it can have uh, effects for, uh, on our world for generations. And so we need to be aware of that as well. On the counter side of that coin, uh, the father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Uh, thy father and mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. And so that's what we want, obviously. So we, if you want that, if you want that outcome, then you've got to get busy while you have a chance to do that. Uh, uh, as, as we said, this window of opportunity, Proverbs 19, verse 18, chasten thy son while there is hope. And let not thy soul spare for his crying. We're going to talk more about discipline in a minute. And that verse talks about discipline. But I would just use that verse right now. Matthew 19, excuse me, Proverbs 19, 18. While there is hope. And that that, that delineates that window of opportunity. There's a time when there's not hope. Obviously, if my child's not born yet, I can't do anything in raising him. But after he reaches a certain age, then I've lost my power of, of opportunity as well so i gotta work while there is while there is hope all right and so what you've done here is you've sort of given us a motivation to set our priorities on on this task that is and not allow ourselves to be uh, diverted or uh, distracted from this important job i think that's right okay so let's start out um what to do you gotta have a strong faith yourself. Yeah, Kevin in the chat room says, "Is a godly example too general of a gift that a parent can give their children?" Absolutely not, Kevin. Uh, Kevin says that that would be a gift that you could give them, and certainly it is, and certainly it is a gift that will affect them and bless them for their entire life. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's the idea that we were trying to get at, Kevin, with the idea of you've got to have a strong faith yourself and set that example. Wade uh, in Hampshire, Tennessee, mentions the accountability of Eli. Eli had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. 1 Samuel 2.12 says, Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. It intrigues me how the high priest of all Israel had sons that served as priests that did not know the Lord. How can we learn? What can we learn of Eli? Uh, what we can learn of Eli is that we all need these attributes to be a successful parent. Strong faith, unwavering sense of right and wrong. Good teaching skills, willing to administer discipline. Concerning strong faith, he says, children look to a leader. If they believe your faith is strong and they love you and respect you, they will want to have the same faith and will ask you questions about it. I tell my kids that the Bible is right no matter what I think. I want them to come to me and ask me, but it's most important for me to train them to go to the Scriptures to understand what is right and wrong and for authority. Now I'll be able to direct them, but eventually they'll have to know for themselves I won't always be here. I hope that my faith in the Scripture will be an example to them. I think that's exactly right, Wade, and I, I commend you for that. You cannot instill in your kids what you don't possess yourself. You know, uh, you, yeah, yeah. You, you can't say, well, I, I, I realize my faith is not real strong, and, and I'm kind of a weak Christian, and, and I, I don't set a really wonderful example. I just hope, I just hope my kids will do better. Well, you're hoping against hope. That's right. Because the chances of that are almost non-existent. Yes. It's not to say it no, couldn't it happen. It has happened. It's not to say it couldn't happen. But it's a very, but very it's a, slim chance. I mean, you, you, you have really diminished the probability that your kids are going to be strong, faithful Christians if you yourself don't demonstrate that in your life. All right. So what is your unfaithfulness then doing uh, to your children? That's something that needs to be considered. Or what is your, uh, what are your lack of priorities maybe uh, showing your children? Yeah. All right. Uh we got a, a long email from Chris in UK, and he sort of took all of those things in general and gave us a number of scriptures. And I don't know that we'll have time to read all of those. 
a lot of good scriptures uh, yeah. that, that uh, Chris referenced. He concludes by saying this is the ultimate goal, not that they will be in a good relationship with you, but more importantly with their Father in heaven. So make sure we let your, uh, he quotes Ephesians, or Philippians 1, verse 27, let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ. And so excellent a way to conclude there is that you've got to be living the life yourself because the ultimate goal is that your children are in a right relationship with God. Patrick in uh, Birmingham says a strong faith is evidenced by a demonstration that faith is an important and integral part of life. It should include at least regular weekly participation in religious services each Sunday. There should be a daily routine of prayer or of other religious practices such as scripture reading, devotions, and so forth, both individual and as a family. It should also be evident that the faith guides the daily decision and lifestyle, such as how the family dresses, what they watch on TV, the way they speak, the way they treat other people, and so forth. I think exactly right. Well said, Patrick. In other words, uh, our children have got to see that serving the Lord is important to us. We, we can't just you lip know, service. give lip service to it or, or, or make that claim but live a different way. You know, we're typically pretty transparent. People can usually see through us if, if we're not being genuine. Most people, people who may not even be yeah. that well acquainted right. with us, can right. usually see through. I'll tell you who can definitely see through that is our family and our children. Yeah. If we're not genuine and sincere and if it's not really heartfelt, if our religion is not uh, deeply rooted in, in uh, genuineness, they're going to see through that. Yeah. And so w- without a doubt, the, the very first thing we've got to do is have a strong faith, live that faith before our children. Yeah, and our children are, are smart enough to see through inconsistencies in our lives. Even uh, even our children are uh, very young, um, and uh, they can see inconsistencies in our <laughs> practices. We're working on uh, the word hate at our house. You, you don't say that, and particularly about uh, your vegetables and things like that. We're trying to work on uh, being a little bit better with, uh, uh, you know, the way we talk about our dinner, for instance. And, um, well... You know, we use the word hate in our speech occasionally, my wife and I, about, you know, maybe we, we hate that something happened or we hate that we uh, forgot to do this while we were in town or something. And yeah. our kids, oh, you, you can't say hate. <laughs> just, just, I mean, just simple things. Yeah, and uh, they learn at, it fast. At, at young ages, as it gets older, they're going to be able to see the inconsistencies. You know, you, know, you don't even think about it. I, uh, we had an episode last year where your brother Jared and I bought a kayak together. Mm-hmm. We bought it on an online auction, and we got what we thought was really a good price on it. And uh, uh, we were talking about it, and I said, we stole that thing, you know. <laughs> and and uh, Jared's five-year-old son said, oh, you're not supposed to steal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and but, so we had, to, we had to explain how we were yeah, using the term. Yeah, yeah. so they're, they're, they're watching, and they're going to see that if there's if there's any gaps in our spiritual lives. And so we've got In the chat room, it. Kevin comments on this idea of a sort of a, a narrow window of opportunity. He says, when a parent starts out with their newborn, they think the days will never end. Uh, and there are long nights and sickness and so forth. After it's over, the parents realize that only a couple of decades that the parents have had uh, direct involvement in their children's most important spiritual growth. Exactly right. It's, it's over before you know it. And he he says, I say this as a rookie in in the empty nest club. Well, well welcome to the club, Kevin. It's it's to come on in. The water's fine. Uh, are you sort of enjoying it? Is what you're saying? Yeah. I, I, after after your sister, my youngest, uh, left the nest. Uh, after a few weeks, I looked at your mom and said, 
Who was it that said the empty nest was a bad thing? Well, Kevin can comment <laughs> but on that but uh, we, we obviously are blessed to have our kids close by, and we can see them and see our grandkids, and it's a good thing. And D, I don't know if it's D-Roy or Droy in the chat room tonight, says, as a kid, we were never allowed to use the word kill. Uh, and so, yeah, that's, uh, that, you know, so parents are working on their language or, or teaching their children Use the proper language. Appreciate yeah. that comment. All right, let's take a break. When we get back, Jacob, we're going to move a little quicker. We want to talk about uh, a parent must demonstrate an unwavering sense of right and wrong. All right, we'll take a break. Get your comments on the other side. And please, if you have any suggestions on raising children, well, there's one person in the audience that could benefit from that tonight. That'd be me, and uh, hopefully there are others as well. So send us your comments. Let's give us a call. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. There's more of the virtual Bible study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Jerry Fralix. I'm a member of uh, College of the Church of Christ here in Columbia, Tennessee, and I have a few words to say. Occasionally, we hear parents who say that they don't want to force religion on their children. These misguided folks think they're doing their kids a favor by letting them decide for themselves. They're afraid that there will be some resentment in their children later if religion had been crammed down their throats. If we may be absolutely blunt in response, that is one of the most ridiculous ideas anyone ever suggested. We force many things on our children. We insist that they bathe, brush their teeth, change their clothes, etc. We cram education down their throats by making them attend school regularly. We demand that they do their homework. We force them to eat good food, get adequate rest, and do other things that are important to their health and development. We do all of this because we know it is in their best interest, and we do it even when the kids don't like it. Why is it this such a common-sense approach is neglected by parents who are determined to let the kids decide for themselves when it comes to religion? Dr. James Dobson writes, There's a critical period when certain kinds of instruction are easier in the life of children. There is a brief period during childhood when youngsters are vulnerable to religious training. Their concepts of right and wrong are formulated during this time, and their views of God begin to solidify. The opportunity of that period must be seized when it is available. The absence or misapplication of instruction through that prime time period may place a severe limitation on the depths of the child's later devotion to God. When parents withhold indoctrination from their small children, allowing them to decide for themselves, the adults are almost guaranteeing that the youngsters will decide in the negative. God's word has always taught us the truth on the subject. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22.6 Here's some quotes worth pondering. We have become a generation of people who worship our work, who work at our play, and who play at our worship. If God is your partner, make your plans large. It is in the character of very few men to honor without envy a friend who has prospered. A man who does not read his Bible has no advantage over the man who cannot read it. Man, wish I'd said that. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight. We talk about children and raising them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Actually, we're talking about parents more than children tonight, and uh, we want your input on parenting. What do you believe the Scriptures teach? What are some important things for us to consider as we raise our children? All right, we're first talking about things that have to be evidenced in in parents. And uh, the second thing that we had suggested is that parents have to have an unwavering sense of right and wrong. You know, the idea of being determined to do right. You don't wait until the moment of crisis to make your decision as to what you're going to do. You commit to do right, and you're you're determined to do that. No compromise. Uh, when we think of Bible characters who demonstrate, and not necessarily parenting, uh, but Daniel, remember, we we 
often reference him in Daniel 1 verse 8. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. Yes. And so that, that making up your mind ahead of time. And, of course, we're always encouraged by Joshua, Joshua twenty four fifteen. If it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah. Now, you, 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 do you think uh, anybody might have accused Joshua of being a fanatic when he said that? Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe. But now, looking back, we admire that kind of strong will. He, he had his mind made up. Uh, you know, I wonder if somebody in, in Joshua's day said, oh, come on, Joshua. Now, you're going to cram religion down your kids' throats yeah. with that kind of attitude? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Oh, come on, Joshua. you got to be a little more flexible than that. You've you got to be willing to compromise let, sometimes. Yeah, and that's one of the things I hear uh, more often than I'd like is that you've just got to let the kids figure it out for themselves. You know, oh, I wouldn't, I, I don't like the decisions they're making, but they've got to figure it out for themselves. Yeah. Monty? You know, we don't let the kids figure out for themselves that black widow spiders are dangerous or that rattlesnakes uh, bite them and kill them. We teach them that this is stuff that you leave alone because it'll hurt you. And we teach them that other things are good for them and that they need to do those things because that it will be good for them in their life. And if, so we'll do that on, on secular physical things. Why would we possibly not think we should do the same thing for something that's far and away more valuable, and that's their soul? Yeah. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, D. Roy, I guess, says, uh, you know, I'm thankful for the parents I have looking out at how my parents trained me up in the strict rules of God's Word. Yeah. Okay. You know, this idea... You know, and maybe D. Roy, maybe your parents were like that. Maybe they were the kind of parents who some said, "Oh, they're being too strict. They're they're gonna they're forcing religion on their kids, and and uh, probably going to backfire on them. Their kids will rebel later on but if you force them on that." You know, they would have said that about Joshua. They say that they'll say that about strong parents today as well. I think people who are not committed and who are not determined to do as Joshua said, "As for me and my house." They're going to they're gonna criticize people who have that strong determination, but I just really believe that we have to have it. All right. Uh, Wade in New Hampshire says, Eli knew right from wrong in 1 Samuel 2, verses 23 through 25. He said, why do you do such things? Eli speaking to his children. He, said, uh, he says, the evil things that I hear from all these people. Know my sons, for the report is not good, which I hear the Lord's people circulating. If, no, if one man sins against another, God will mediate for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? So... Uh, Wade says Eli knew right from wrong, but I think it's more than just knowing. It's that un- unwavering sense that you mentioned, that uh, that determination that we know what's right and we're going to do it, and, and we know and, what's wrong and, and we're really, not going to pr- allow it. Yeah, and, and no compromise. You know, no compromise. I would say that that unwavering determination means no compromise. You know, if, if I, I, I'll give you an example. We Let's say as a family, we... Almost always, almost always go to church on Sunday and Wednesday night, and that that's our general practice. But every so often, if the kids have a ball game on Wednesday night, I'm just talking about maybe a couple, three times a year, mm-hmm. we'll miss church on Wednesday night to go to let them play in the ball game. Right. So three weeks of the year we compromise, but that means that. 49 weeks out of the year, we go to church on Wednesday night. 
You know which example the kids learn from? Well, it's not. Yeah, they learn from the three weeks yeah. because you just said that, that there are some things more important than worship yeah. all the time for all fifty-two weeks. Of yeah, the year. yeah. They learn. They learn the exception rather than the general general rule. Right. And and so parents have got to be aware of that. And that's that unwavering sense of right and wrong. No compromise. And I I might add something else in here too. And in, in this unwavering sense of uh, right and wrong, I think parents have to also be willing to stand for that right or wrong. Uh, aspect in their life without being ashamed of being weird or having their children be weird yeah uh, i think there's a lot of parents who they're afraid that their children might be looked at a little bit askew that's right uh, and uh, that's going to be your children's lot in life for the rest of their life for crying out loud let them look weird now well you can help and you can support help them and support them yeah, yeah. because if they're going to be a faithful christian they're going to be considered odd and weird right right on through the rest of their life as you right. said uh, Patrick in Birmingham says a parent can set a good example in the little things, such as by the way they speak and act. They can do so by not giving in to pressure from children, other parents, and so forth to compromise. It can also be powerfully demonstrated in some exceptional circumstances. Perhaps the parent is a victim of violence or false accusations and yet bears such things patiently and forgives those who have offended them. I think with good examples there, Patrick. All right. All right. Uh Let's, is there more that we need to say on that? Uh, Chris in the U.K. says, uh, he recites uh, verse, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thy, thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life, but teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. And this would point to having the base knowledge of God, or faith, as you, you may say, and then pass it on to the next generation. So, uh, Patrick's or Chris says we need to know what God uh, wants us from us, and we need to be diligent in teaching it to, to our children. All right. Um, D. Roy says in the in the chat room. Usually, I get a chuckle from others when I'm checking modesty on shorts, for example. Sometimes from other Christians, my heart just drops a beat for these people. In other words, and I think what he's saying there is sometimes if you're taking a strong stand in raising your kids even including areas like how they dress modestly mm-hmm. and so forth. Other parents who are not as committed and are not as determined and are willing to compromise are going to think you're you're going overboard. Yeah. If, if, I would say this, Jacob. I think it's a fair statement. If, if you don't ever get accused of being too strict with your kids, if, if you've never had that accusation, then I would argue you haven't been strict enough. I mean, because... You're you're being analyzed by a bunch of mediocre, uncommitted parents, and if they don't think that you're being too strict by by comparison to their standard, then you're probably not being strict enough. Bonnie, what do you think about that? Well, I'd have to agree with that. And when you think about it, as I look back on the raising of my children, there's things that I can see that I should have been more strict on, not more lenient. There's very few, th- probably nothing that I can think of that I should have been more lenient on, but I should have been more strict in certain areas and set a better example like that for them. And, and like Greg said, the people that would criticize and say you're being too strict, as I look back, the people that told me that occasionally, I look at their children and they didn't turn out so well. I don't think they were near strict enough either. So we need to look and see... What does the Bible say about it? And then do it. Win, lose, or draw. Do what the Bible says, and, and we'll and be okay. Obviously, I hope everybody understands we're we're not saying child abuse or or you know uh, in any any sense abusing children, but we are saying uh, a strong leadership, an uncompromising determination to do what's right. 
Kevin in the chat room agrees with you. He says even if you are average, you should get some comments that you were uh, thought to be too strict. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's let's move on quickly and, and cover another part of this. Parents need to be good teachers. You know, what we've said so far basically covers the idea of example, Jacob. Uh, you know, you've you got to be have a strong faith. You have to have an unwavering determination of, of right and wrong. But you also need to be a good teacher. I, I, I think some parents might mistakenly say, I'm just going to live a good example before my kids, and then I believe that they'll learn from my example, and that, and that will get them through. The good example is essential, but specific teaching in godly matters is necessary as well. All right, absolutely. Uh, uh, we've got to we've got to be vocal, not just show the example. In Ephesians six four, the King James is the wording we're more familiar with. Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The New American Standard Version there says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Yeah. So we got to instruct them in the ways of the Lord. Uh, we frequently reference Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7. Moses told the Israelites, These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, when thou risest up. The, the idea of that that Moses told the children of Israel was every day, throughout the day, lots of teaching. And it's to be done diligently, he said, which suggests the idea you got to Work hard. It's going to be it. something that your purpose. It's not going to be well. Just uh, live the, way, the life, and as you're walking in the way, maybe they'll see how you walk. Uh, maybe when you're sitting in your house, maybe they'll see how you're living. And no, they were to talk about them. They were to teach them diligently. They were going to have to be very diligent in teaching their children. Uh, Wade says Eli. He, he's he, he's making all of his points in relationship to the story of Eli and his unfaithfulness in raising his children, which I think is neat. Uh, he's, uh, Wade says Eli was able to teach Samuel, who of course was not his own son, but because Samuel grew, we know that because Samuel grew up to be very strong. Thus Samuel grew and the Lord was with him, 1 Samuel 3, 19. However, he failed to teach his own children. They did not know the Lord, 1 Samuel 2, verse 12. All right. And Patrick in Birmingham says, not everyone is a skilled teacher, but a parent can be a good example by being diligent in trying to teach the faith, whether it be by talking about the things of God at the dinner table at bedtime, on car trips, in casual conversation, in one-on-one time, when the children ask questions, or any time an opportunity presents itself. If an, if an opportunity doesn't present itself, the, uh, they look for opportunities constantly and make opportunities if they have to in order to make sure they pass on the faith a little at a time all the time. Thank yeah. you, Patrick. I think Patrick's right. Maybe not every parent feels like a, a to be a skilled teacher. But I tell you what, they teach their kids. They're teaching their kids always, all the time. You know, here's this guy's. I just don't know if I could. I just don't feel like I can teach my kid about the Bible. But he gets out and teaches his kid how to to hit a baseball with a bat. You know, tie their shoes, or how to tie their shoes, or you know, whatever. Uh, parents teach their kids. They, they teach, have to. They have to. Kids are just going to be totally par- inept with it. You know, you start out with this baby who can't do anything, and you say you can't teach them, but you've taught them. How, how to do a, a, a thousand things. Yeah. Make Bible instruction a part of what you're determined to teach them. Money. You know, quite often we say, well, I'm not a good teacher. I don't have good teaching skills. Well, go buy a book on it. 
or go find somebody that does have good teaching skills and get them to help you to learn to be a good teacher. Yeah. But it's our obligation if we don't have those skills to, to gain them and if we do have them to improve on them so that we can be the best parents we can be to do the best job that can be done of teaching our children. I think in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the passage you re- referenced there, it, it, I, don't, I don't see a formal teaching program here. No. A very informal. Yeah. You know, Talk about it when yeah. you're sitting in your house yeah. and when you walk by the way. Or, you know, you, you see something out that's not, not not right. Tell your children how God says that's wrong. Or you see something beautiful in his creation. Talk about how God created it. I mean, just little little seeds here and there. All right. Okay. Let's take our midway break, Jacob, and we'll get back. We want to talk about, we've got to quickly cover the subject of discipline. We said parents have got to be willing to administer discipline. And so we'll talk about that one. And Dr. Spock is in the chat room tonight, although it is uh, somebody's borrowing his name uh, because he disagrees, I think, with what Dr. Yeah. Spock Dr. taught. Yeah, he, uh, Dr. Spock didn't think spanking was good for children, but I believe he changed his opinion after he saw the bad effects of his worldly counsel to not spank children. I All think right. you're right. Okay, somebody's playing tricks with their name tonight. We'll let you get we, But we, we allow people to do that. Uh, sure, right. Yeah. yeah. We're glad that you're glad you're listening, whoever you are out there. And, uh, well, there's some theories going on in the chat room on who it could be. So uh, we'll see. <laughs> 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. We're back after this week's bullet point. Got a question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. I promise that I'm not making this up. The local paper recently contained the following news item. Aggravated assault. A Hill Street resident reported he was assaulted by his pastor during an argument, according to the police report filed on Wednesday. The victim stated he was arguing with his pastor who tried to kick him and pushed him down, the report indicated. He also stated that other church members grabbed him and held him as the pastor tried to hit him in the head with a chair, the report noted. Well, sadly, we've all seen church fights, but this takes it to a whole new level. What do you suppose they were arguing about? What could have gotten the whole group so mad that they were ready to give the man a collective whipping? And has that pastor ever read that he's not to be a brawler or a striker? 1 Timothy 3, verse 3. Hopefully we will never see such a terrible incident in the Lord's church. But whenever brethren fail to act with love and respect for one another, the end result is the same. The Apostle John wrote, quote, Whoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and we know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. If any man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. 1 John 3:15 and 4:20. One other point is worth noting. How interested would you be in visiting that church? Would you consider becoming a member there? No, of course not. Here's the point. When Christians fail to love one another properly, they produce a negative atmosphere that quickly inhibits all possibility for the church to grow and prosper. We may not come to blows, but if we don't love one another, we sin and hurt the Lord's cause. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the Virtual Bible Study. How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The Virtual Bible Study continues. And Anthony touches on, uh, well, a hot topic there, maybe for uh, discipline there. We'll talk about that, or parenting. 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. We want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting that website that you mentioned that is uh, constantly improving. Well, it's not. It's not it's arti- It's not artistically uh, sophisticated, no, but no, we're not. getting more content. You're out getting there. there. Yeah. Hey, that's uh, that email address is the virtual or that website address thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. And, if and always, we never we don't talk about this often. The college view is spelled funny. 
C-O-L-L-E-G-E-B-U-E. That's why I like the virtual Bible study, because it's spelled exactly like it should be spelled. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you can find out more about us there, and you can also contact us at any time with any question you might have about something you've heard. Maybe you disagree with us. We'd welcome that comment as well. Or if you have a suggestion for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study, we especially welcome those or questions you'd like to discuss in this format. TheVirtualBibleStudy.com or CollegeU.com. Let us know your thoughts. We're talking about parenting on the program tonight and And raising our children as we should. Yeah, and another point that we made, parents have got to be firm and exercise discipline. It's a mistaken view that too many people have that if you discipline your children, somehow that is contrary to the notion of love, that you don't love them. If you discipline them, you don't love them. And it's just exactly the opposite. Proverbs 3, verse 11, beginning, My son despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. No, a, a loving a loving father disciplines his children. Uh, in fact, Proverbs 13, verse 24 says, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Okay. Now, again, we would stress, we're not, we're not justifying child abuse here, uh, but again, Discipline is necessary. Patrick mentioned in the chat room yeah. uh, that uh, he spank- I think he's just pointing out the spanking, and, and he, he doesn't necessarily believe that spanking is necessary. I, I think this, the scriptures certainly encourage us to use corporal punishment when it, at appropriate times. But yeah. that's not the only form of discipline that there is. It's not. But that's a good one to throw out in the chat room tonight. Do you think corporal punishment is a requirement according to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, Proverbs 13, verse 24? Would you say corporal punishment is a requirement? That's an interesting uh, interesting question. It Mom? was for my children. <laughs> well, that, your children may have dictated that. Uh, what do you think? Uh, let, yeah, yeah in, you in guys, you give us your opinion in the chat room. We'll real quick go to what Wade says about discipline. Uh, again, he's he's drawn, I think it's really neat how Wade has connected all his answers on this to the story of Eli. And he says, again, Samuel failed because he did not discipline his children. He placed, well, that's interesting. Eli failed and Samuel also failed because he did not discipline his children. He placed them before what the Lord's commandment was. It certainly had to be hard to put your own children to death, but this is what the Lord demanded of him. Uh, if there is a man who committeth adultery with another man's wife, one who commits adultery with his friend's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. I, I mean, that's just... Uh, it's, what, it's what Eli should have done. Yeah, 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 what Eli should have done, because his, his sons were being sexually immoral with the women of Israel, and so he, he should have gone to the extreme discipline of even seeing to it that his sons were put to death for their sins. All right. Uh, Patrick says, a good disciplinarian isn't lazy. I can say amen to that, Patrick. It's too easy to want to keep watching TV or cooking dinner or whatever the current activity is and just overlook bad behavior rather than go to the trouble of addressing the bad behavior then and there. A good disciplinarian is willing to sacrifice his own convenience for the sake of the children's good upbringing. A good disciplinarian is careful not to make rash judgments out of anger but quickly apologizes if he does. And he follows through with what he said he was going to do unless he realizes he made a rash threat in anger. A good disciplinarian makes clear rules up front instead of just constantly making up rules on an as-needed basis. In other words, there's a clearly defined expectation of proper behavior. I think, that's really, I think that's really good. You know, Let them know what's expected of them and then follow through. How many times have we seen parents who said, and they'll say it a hundred times, if you do that, I'm going to spank you. If you don't stop doing that, I'm going to spank you. 
I, I told you I was going to spank you. Yeah. Now, I'm telling you again, if you don't stop that, I'm going to spank you. Man, I mean, sometimes I want to, I want to say, let me hold your, let me hold that, uh, let me hold your book there for a minute so you can get busy and do what you've been promising to do. Yeah. Bonnie? You know, my parents would would do that, not as bad as a lot of people I've seen, but they was things that I'd done that I knew I could get away with because they'd said, if you do that again, you're going to get a whipping. Well, I did it, and I didn't get a whipping. I thought, oh, I can get away with this then. And so they let me down when you get down to it in that area. And so we need to learn, you know, there's this old saying, experience is the best teacher, but it's especially true when it's someone else's experience. I, sh- I can learn from their mistakes and hopefully do better by my children, and hopefully my children can learn from my mistakes and do better too. So what you're saying, Monty, is that as a child, you, uh, you push the limits. As fu- you tried to find the holes and the gaps. I was just every like any does. other child. Yeah, that's right. Every, every kid does. And we do it as adults. You know, we, we go to work and we know what the rules are, but if we're not careful, we push those to the limits. To And, and so children learn that from us, and they repeat it, and it's, we just need to be careful. We need to train them better. And when they know what the rules are, then we've told them what is expected, then we need to see to it that we follow through on that. Yeah. It, what we're telling them is they can't count on us if we don't follow through. I think you're right, Monty. I, in the chat room, Anthony says he saw this exact same thing in Walnut. Mark, last time he was there, a toddler kept throwing his bottle. Apparently, the parent kept threatening, and the toddler kept throwing the bottle. I, I've told this story before, to, uh, but I don't think ever on the virtual Bible study. I was in the auto parts store uh, waiting in line to buy a part, and I, there were several in line. They were pretty busy at the time, and the guy in front of me had a kid, probably six- or seven-year-old kid, and they had some little die-cast cars there in the auto parts place, and the kid picked up one of those cars. He said, I want this car. And his dad said, you ain't getting that car. <laughs> and, and the kid said, I want this car. And, the, and, and they just kept raising their voice. And the dad said, I told you, you ain't getting that car. Is that the way they were talking? Yes. Or and it went on it, it, because there was quite a line there. And this went on. I'm not kidding, Jacob. This went on for five minutes. And they just kept escalating their tone. And the kids kept yelling that he wanted the car. The dad kept saying, you're not getting that car. When he got, when it was finally his turn up to the counter, you remember Jack at the auto parts do, place. Yeah. Oh, Jack said it was, was there, and he he got the guy his part, and the, and the dad then said, "Here, put this put this car on the bill too." And I don't tell you, this is uncommon of me, but I could not. I mean, I don't usually speak to strangers at that level, but when he said, "Put this car on the bill," I couldn't hold myself back. I said, "You're not going to give him the car now, are you?" He said, "Yeah, I'll let him have it." Involuntary reaction there. It was involuntary. And when he went out, I said to Jack at the counter, I said, Jack, can you believe that? And Jack said, I almost wouldn't sell him the car. (laughs) But, but I mean, parents just are not consistent. They don't follow through, and that's a disaster. Their discipline is a disaster when that happens. All right. Well, and it is a shame. And, uh, well, it it is a a disgrace for the parents. And Patrick in the chat room says, uh, threats do not equal discipline. And Chris in the UK references Proverbs 19, verse 18, as you did. Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Uh, this is one of discipline, is not of judgment, for that usually, is usually virgin, revenge, but correction with the goal of restoration in mind. And that is, we do need to keep track. Keep, what, are you, what are you trying to accomplish? Right. We're trying to we're trying to, to bring them up in the way they should go. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, I train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. It is for now, for then may well be too late. Also, it is uh, one that comes from following. So remember where you're leading them. Uh, and he references Proverbs 22 verse or 29 verse 17. Correct thy son, and he will give thee rest. Yea, he shall be a delight, or give delight unto thy soul. 
I've already mentioned about the judgment correction distinctive, uh, but let me also add it is so that they will delight in you, not merely fear you, and you'll delight in them rather than be shameful of them. Thank you uh, for that, Chris. All right, we gotta we gotta take our last break. We gotta fly when we get back. Uh, uh, important areas, uh, important areas of influence with children. We're gonna look at that when we get back. And Roy says, uh, or D. Roy says, I saw a lady give her kid a lollipop to quiet the kid down because he was screaming. And uh, D. Roy said, uh, "Lady, let me borrow your kid for a second and let me show you something." Uh, a preacher friend of mine was behind somebody in a, che- a grocery store checkout lane, and the kid was screaming. And he said to the woman in front, "Would you like me to hold your purse so you can probably discipline that child?" Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> Sometimes it is just almost beyond belief. All right, let us know your thoughts. We'll look forward to hearing from you when we get back. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study goes to the top of the hour right after this. Wow, it isn't so hard to understand the Bible after all. There's more exciting study and discussion coming after these messages. Hello, my name is Trent Haynes, and I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. In a scanning of the book of Proverbs, it provides us several reasons to discipline our children. To show you don't hate them, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Chapter 13, verse 24. To give them hope, discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Chapter 19, verse 18. To help them for a lifetime, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Chapter 22, verse 6. To chase away foolishness. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Chapter 22, verse 15. To save his soul, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with a rod, he will not die. Punish him with a rod and save his soul from death. Chapter 23, verse 13 through 14. For your own comfort, discipline your child, and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. Chapter 29, verse 17. Parents need to read and understand these passages. So too should our children. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. In a recent national poll, 75% of all respondents said it was okay for them to lie to their governmental leaders and that they did indeed lie to their governmental leaders regularly. Why? Because they believe their governmental leaders lie to them. That information is via Imprimus magazine. The Word of God says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about disciplining and, well, raising our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And Patrick in the chat room says, Once I was shopping at a grocery store and a woman's child was misbehaving, I walked up to her and said, I have a belt you can borrow. (laughs) Patrick, you're a brave man. (laughs) All right, that's good. All right, let's go quickly. We we had another part of this that we wanted to cover, and we said there are some important areas of influence with children. And I said, uh, limit the distance, spend time with your kids. Two, start early with spiritual training and ask how early do we start. Number three, talk often, and I ask what kinds of subjects. And number four, do specific things to establish a spiritual environment in your home. What kind of things? Okay. So let's start real quickly. you got to spend time with your kids. You got to limit the. The reason I said limit the distance, I was kind of making a play on word. Uh, Jacob, do you know you could bowl three hundred in bowling every time, or if you were shooting archery or or shooting with a gun, you could hit the bullseye every time. You know how? Uh, get real close. Stay close. If you're close, you, you you know the idea is accuracy increases with proximity, error increases with distance. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a neat uh, parallel to parenting. 
I can do a more accurate job of parenting if I'm in close proximity to my kids. But if I'm distant from them, then the, the probability of error increases dramatically. Yeah. You think about parents, both parents working, between the two of them, they're working somewhere between 80 and 100 hours a week. Uh, and, and then when they have some free time, they're off golfing or fishing or shopping or cleaning the house. And the kids are spending more time in daycare than they are with their parents. What do you think? What do you think is the chances that the parents are going to be able to be successful under that regime? That's a good uh, question. And Wade is, or Patrick, I'm sorry, is on a similar wavelength as you tonight. He says, "I think the shift from agrarian to industrial or service-oriented societies has really been extremely detrimental to uh, to family life by bringing about an increasing separation between parents and their children at a young age." Young boys in such societies spend all day with their fathers, and young girls spend all day spent all days with their mothers. They learned how to run a household, care for children, learned practical life skills, and learned discipline. If a parent can work at home or can allow a child to participate in a family business or something akin to that in order to spend more time with their children, I think they should. If not, they should find ways to spend time with their kids. It may be a father working on a car with his son or a mother working on crafts with the kids or doing charitable work or letting the kids help. My, many uh, men may plan camping trips for the family or just a father-son outing. There are so many ways par- parents can spend time with their kids, but perhaps the most important thing is for a parent not to be self-centered and constantly look for ways to get away from the family, as many parents do. Uh, Thank Wade, you for that, Patrick. Great, great. Wade says, uh, if you don't spend time with your kids, your kids will find someone else to spend time with. They won't respect you because you've failed to give them what is most valuable, and, uh, and that is you yourself. They see what is most important, and if they don't think it is you, then you will never have any influence over them. In my home, we eat together at the table. Everyone comes to the table to eat. That's one time that we can. That's one thing. One time we can all be together. I tell my kids no electronic electric, electronic devices at the table, even though it is not much time. At least I get to spend that time alone with them. All right. And book uh, from across the pond. Chris says you can't lead your family from your workplace or. Let parenting be adequately outsourced. Thank you. Uh, That is absolutely true. Monty. You know, I think quite often we use this phrase, oh, I I don't have a lot of time to spend with my children, so I want it to be quality time. Oh, yeah. That's just just a cop-out. What our children need is quantity of our time, and we should should strive to make sure it's the best quality it can be, but we need to spend a lot of time with them. If we're using that excuse and justifying ourselves for engaging in whatever we want to do, well, I'm spending quality time when I do it, then that's just... That's just a cop out. I we think you're exactly right. I think, I think you're exactly right. I mean, and that debate goes on. You know, well, I don't get to spend a lot of time with my kids, but I make sure it's quality time. Well, that's not going to get the job done. Was that a soapbox you were standing on, Monty? It was a tall one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, quickly, we got to move quickly here. We got concerning influencing our children for God. We have got to start early. Yeah. Um, you know, Wade was mentioning in several of his comments about Eli and Samuel. Samuel, as soon as he was weaned, he was brought to to the yeah. house of the Lord yeah. to be raised by Samuel. Josiah was taught as a young boy. Uh, Jesus said he was about his father's business when he was 12 years old. Um, a child psychologist was asked, when should I start training my child? Uh, and the... The, the psychologist responded, how old is he now? And, and the parent answered, five. Uh, he says, uh, and, the, and the psychologist said, you need to hurry home. You've already lost the best five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty good story. Yeah, yeah. 
so we need to start really early. I asked in the question, how early? Uh, did we get some response on well, that? Yeah, uh, Wade says birth. We talk about spiritual yeah. things at the table, in the car, and just everywhere or anywhere. Just uh, since we have started the memory verses at church, and he's speaking of the practice we're here, here at college, where we're doing a memory verse every week, he says the table has been an optimal time for us to make sure everyone is learning them. No one gets dessert until they have set all their memory verses. Wow. Wow. I thought his kids were looking skinnier. Uh, <laughs> we also make sure our kids go to all services and try to attend anything, any special things, the singings or Bible studies done outside the church. Thank you, Wade. Um, Chris in the U.K. says, as far as how early, going back to Timothy, his mother and grandmother from his youth taught him the Holy Scripture. Uh, he says, I mentioned earlier how your life and every aspect of life is one of teaching either by word or practice. What kind of things can we do? Study the word. Oh, that's the next question. We'll hold that for a minute. All right. Uh, here is uh, uh, Chris from the UK. He says, here's a story. No, that's one I was just reading. You're, you're oh. looking at, uh, who are you looking at? I was at? looking at Chris from the UK. Oh, are you? Maybe you are. Maybe I'm, you're looking at the next page. A scary quote from Martin Luther. Okay, go ahead. He said, I'm afraid, um, I'm much afraid of that schools will prove to be the gates of great gates of hell unless they diligently labor in explaining the Holy Scriptures, engraving them in the hearts of the youth. I advise no one to place his child where the Scriptures do not reign paramount. Every institution in which men are not increasingly occupied with the Word of God must become a corrupt. As far as how early, going back to Timothy, his mother and grandmother from his youth taught him the Holy Scripture. All right. Thank you. All right. Monty, uh, again. I would suggest that from the time that a woman knows she's pregnant, it would be a good time to start reading out loud the Bible to her unborn child. That way, you know, as they develop, they're used to hearing that, and you've already established a pattern in their life and in your life of studying and reading the Scriptures to them regularly, and it's just a good one. That would be probably the best time to start is from the moment you understand that you're with child. You're right. You're right. If the child can't understand it, maybe it will help you nonetheless. Patrick, Patrick is right in line with you here, uh, Monty. He said, I prayed with, with my daughter and for her when she was still in the womb. In fact, I prayed for my future children when I didn't have any. When she was born, I'd sing hymns to her as I rocked her to sleep and prayed with her when I tucked her in bed from her youngest days. Simple things like that. At least a regular routine of prayer and like activities and a good example can start from the very beginning. More formal training, such as Bible studies, do need to wait until the kids are able to understand. The Jews typically begin Torah studies with their children at age five, and I think that is a good age to begin introducing them to at least simple lessons of a more formal nature. Yeah, I would say five or before. I think, uh, Jacob, your kids, are, you're working with your kids, and they're not that old yet, and they're learning their Bible stories real well. They're learning them. And I remember you singing to me when you rocked me to sleep. I can remember that. Oh, you I, can. Oh, I man. Can. I, don't, I don't know how good the singing was. I don't remember that much, <laughs> but I do remember the singing. So. All right, quickly. We, uh, uh, something else we said. We're going to run out of time here, Jacob. Another thing we said, uh, to influence our children for God, we've got to talk with them. Uh, I found this quote from a commentator. The Hebrews were extremely successful at making religion an integral part of daily life. The reason for this success was that religious education was life-oriented, not information-oriented. They used the context of daily life to teach about God. Uh, and we already quoted there from Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7, and Moses told them, talk about these things when you're sitting in your house, when you're walking by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. I think that would be in real contrast to what most parents do. They seldom mention spiritual things, maybe only in the context of going to church services uh, once or twice a week. And, and and everything else is uh, 
oriented to the world. Yeah. And so we've got to talk. We've got to talk about spiritual things. All right. Uh, the world is going to get uh, our children's heart if they can, if it can, and uh, we've got to work hard to capture that for the Lord uh, and uh, certainly important. All right. Yeah. All right. I believe entirely too many people don't t- talk to their children in any meaningful way at all, and especially they don't talk often with them, and that needs to be corrected too. All right. Okay. One last point. We said we got to do what we can to establish a spiritual environment in the home. I had an example of Abraham. Abraham uh, Genesis 12, verse 7. Uh, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, Unto thy seed I will give this land. And there built he an altar to the Lord and who appeared to him. And he removed from thence to a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Everywhere he went, he built an altar. Yeah. Uh, someone said you could trace the, the journey of Abraham by the trail of smoke from the altars that he built. <laughs> yeah. And what's interesting then, what did his son do? Yeah. Isaac, Genesis twenty six twenty five. Isaac built an altar and called upon the name of the Lord, pitched his tent there. Yeah. And so you see, handing down that that. That concept, uh, uh, Abraham was a great man. He instilled a spiritual nature in his son Isaac, and we've got to do the same. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, Only give heed to yourself, keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Now, one thing I think of is that, uh, Monty, I, you probably can look back at your life and you probably still value some of the things that your father valued that you saw him you know you could imitate it in him as he was growing up things that were important to your your father hunting fishing uh things like that uh certainly we want to have uh, our children looking at us and seeing that uh serving god is is important in our lives and, and that they, they want to duplicate that as well we can see that our children imitate us and imitate everyone around them and everything around them to a great degree. And if we can instill and, and they can see us doing the right things, worshiping God regularly, uh, patterning our life the way it should be, they'll imitate that too because that's what children do is imitate. That's right. They are imitators. All right. Uh, Wade mentions invite people for singings, Bible studies. It's important for children to know how to talk and dress. It makes me feel good when my young children can tell me when people are dressed immodestly, and they do that. Make your children get their Bible lessons. Make sure that you're at every service. Don't miss services because of fun activities. Make sure your children think that God, that makes your children think that God's not important. We always pray at the table. All right. Chris in the U.K. says, what kind of things can we do? Study the Word as a family, pray together as such a situation arises for it, and bring God into conversations about, say, the news, the school lessons, the workplace. The finances, I'm sure there is a whole lot more, even about the household friendships, and let them know they are prayed for and can mention things uh, that you can bring to the Lord. Thank you, Chris, for that comment. Patrick in Birmingham. He says, uh, talk about everything, but perhaps the best way to know what to do is to listen to your children. Children tend to ask lots of questions, answer them truthfully according to their readiness and ability to understand. Of course, when it comes to matters of sexuality, I think it should start at a very early age, but in small increments. Uh so, 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 uh, in, in regards to a spiritual environment, pray regularly, at least at mealtimes and in the evening as a family and before bed. Talk about spiritual things often. Now, he goes on to mention religious images in the home can be helpful. Uh, crucifixes, religious pictures, prayers, or scriptural passages. 
I, I, I would have some difference with him on, on some of that, I'm but sure. I, I think the scriptures are a good thing. Scripture. Uh, they were to put them on their door, doorpost in the Old Testament, that, certainly yeah, we could do yeah. the same today. And certainly, you know, expre- you know, you see people who for, for a long time, you know, back when women did more needlepoint and stuff, they would, they would do religious passages, right. verses from scripture, like, Joshua twenty four fifteen. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I wonder how many times that's been cross-stitched. I bet that's been cross-stitched a lot. All right. All right. So uh, I guess in all of that, Jacob, we would conclude by saying you've got a really important job, and you have got to be busy doing it. Yes. Uh, the stakes are high. Very high. The highest. All right. Thank you for the encouragement tonight, Dad. Thank you for the discussion. Thanks. Thanks for everybody in the chat room. Good comments in the chat room. Uh, we really appreciate you. Monty, appreciate you being here as well. Thank you, Jacob. Good comments. Enjoyed those with you and enjoyed the comments. Somebody said, said, Jacob, your son is in the room with us tonight, and somebody saw him lurking behind Monty on, when Monty was on the camera. So they saw your little guy back there behind Monty. Yeah, uh, he's, uh, he's here tonight and been quiet, so good. Uh, we, we made it through. All right. Thank you for the discussion tonight. Thank you for joining us. Hope and, well, been... Real quick, we got just a minute. Real quick, next week, Lord willing, we've got an oh, yeah. interview scheduled with a with a fellow from England who's written a book, Traces of the Kingdom, mm-hmm. and he he has documentation of Churches of Christ meeting in England centuries before Alexander Campbell was even born. Yeah. Uh, you know, we keep hearing this accusation. In fact, one of our members here at College View is. His son was told in a in a, a school setting that I, I think they they said uh, uh, Joseph Campbell started the Church of Christ. They didn't have the name right. They meant yeah. Alexander Campbell. They may mixed them up with the Mormon. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but but uh, you know we keep hearing this that oh Alexander Campbell started the Church of Christ. Uh, this fella uh, has documentation that Churches of Christ were meeting in England long before Alexander Campbell ever was even born. Uh, so we're we're going to interview him. At, we're six hours behind him, and so if we did it live, uh, it'd be in the wee small hours of the morning in England. And so we're going to try to get a recorded interview with him that we're going to use on the program next week, and then we'll we'll open up the discussion after the interview. All right. So we'll listen to that at the start, and then yeah. we'll talk about it. Uh, Lord yeah, willing, the, the, that's the, our plan. The, yeah. The accusation is well, the, the Church of Christ is a new invention. Uh, it's not. He's got some evidence to show that it's at least older than some would claim it is. Yeah, okay. we believe it's as old as, as the first century. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk about that next week. Good. L- looking forward to that. Look forward to you joining us again next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.